What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck did I just watch? You are listening to What the Fuck Did I Just Watch? You can find us on Facebook and YouTube at WTF Did I Just Watch? Thanks for joining us, and here's our latest episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of What the Fuck Did I Just Watch? And today we are joined again by Pixie and her partner, Russ, and of course, John Paul, my compatriot. And um, we will be discussing The Peacemaker. Um, it's a HBO Max TV series based off of 2021 Suicide Squad, written and mostly directed by James Gunn. And it's one hell of a show. <laughs> so as I said, if you've not watched the 2021 Suicide Squad or the Peacemaker series yet, don't watch this podcast episode yet. Go watch that stuff, then come back and watch it. Um, and then you can see how insane it was and how insane we are and how much why it's so lovable. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to actually quickly throw it to Jane, um, to John Paul because he's a huge James Gunn fan, as am I, but he's more the aficionado than I am. So, John Paul, you want to tell us about trauma and where James Gunn came from? I mean, yeah, sure. So James Gunn uh, has been one of my favorite writer-directors ever since uh, the first movie I saw him, which was Tromeo and Juliet, which he wrote. Did not direct, but that's only because Lloyd Kaufman says he directs all his first features, but if you really go behind the scenes, he pretty much did all the directing of that movie, and Lloyd just put his name on it, because that's Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the man is twisted and fun and creepy and cringy at times, but you're along for a hell of a ride. I mean, he also did one of my favorite Marvel movies that was Guardians of the Galaxy, which I know a lot of people like because uh, they're like, oh, this space movie, what's that going to be about? And then it ended up being, you know, ginormous hits with lovable characters like Groot, a talking living plant. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, He's also done uh, Slither, which is another great movie that he did. And uh, Super, which most people are not a fan of, but I love it. And I think that... Did he do movie 43? Am I right thinking that? No. (laughs) He didn't do movie 43? He did not. Are you sure he did that? (laughs) I think he's in it, but I don't think he directed it. Or maybe he did it. Did he write it, though? May now see now you're getting to make me second guess myself. <laughs> I know he wrote both of the Scooby Doo movies. You talk, I'll Google. <laughs> uh, which, if if you're a fan of the the wonderful Scooby Doo movies, yes. with with uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and her husband Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard, my new man crush, um, <laughs> you know those are fun, fun, fun movies as well. But when you say was, super, do you mean, are you saying that the one with Rain Wilson in it? That's exactly the one I yeah. am referring to. <laughs> that was movie, fantastically strange. I, again, most people are not a fan of, yeah. but what's, what's hilarious is super, there's a lot of super in this show, which, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of similarities that people don't realize. Um, <laughs> yeah, super with Rain Wilson, exactly. Oh so man, I didn't know that was the uh, Beazle section or the Beazle story of James Gunn. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, Russ. <laughs> I, I was never aware that that was. That's kind of a, li- a little bit older, right? About ten ish. Ten ish, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, so not for a good little while, and it, it was something I caught maybe three or four years ago. 
and watched it, and it was just. It was so strange. I couldn't. I couldn't take my eyes off of exactly. Where exactly. Where going? That is. That is James Gunn to a T. He is yeah. just like. I mean, again, Romeo and Juliet. Let's take the story of Romeo and Juliet and add some trauma flair and add a ginormous penis monster in the middle of it. So yeah, he he definitely knows how to do. R-rated things. He knows how to do family-friendly things. I just, he's just so diverse. I mean, like I said, he wrote the Scooby-Doo movies, and those are yeah. so entertaining. And 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 as we talk, we'll, we'll, I mean, I, I can mention right now, but uh, his progression of going from where he was to where he is now is just amazing. Just to see the way he's career has gone and like i said and then he gets movies like uh oh gosh what can i think the one that he produced but did not direct uh the belco experiment which is freaking crazy (laughs) if you if you work at an office you kind of know what it'd be like wanting to murder your co-workers (laughs) so and then he also did what what i call the dark justice league uh, why can't I think of the name of that movie right now? That's it. Yeah. So that's another crazy, crazy movie. So I mean, he knows how to how to do things in such an interesting and fascinating way. But uh, on that note, let's talk about Peacemaker. So just to be clear, when I interrupted Russ, so a movie forty three, James Gunn wrote and directed Beazel, that part of it. So so he did have a, a stake in it, but okay, not all of it. Because <laughs> there's a whole bunch of different writers and directors in it, which is that, that's its own uh, craziness in and of itself. Yeah, it's yeah. an experience you have to be ready for. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Peacemakers, we do have to kind of jump a little bit into Suicide Squad 2021, which has Peacemaker in it, introduces DC fans to Peacemaker, um, who is a very obscure hero villain from way back. Um, I think the 60s is when he came out originally. Um, Comic book fans, feel free to uh, correct me. I love comic books, but I'm a casual reader of stuff. Like the only thing that I vaguely remember about Peacemaker is a little story they actually even tell in the series about him going after Kite Man. <laughs> and I think the absurdity of Kite Man is why it's stuck in my brain and like Peacemaker kind of fell out of it. Um, but he gets introduced in the Suicide Squad and he, even though he's in a squad of villains, ends up really kind of being the villain of that movie. Him and of course, I'm Adam. Amanda Waller, who is always kind of the villain of the Suicide Squad movies, but also yeah. is a badass character on so many levels. Um, but yeah, so you get to meet him there. And then James Gunn was kind of fascinated by the backstory of this character because there is no development of him in the Suicide Squad movie. Like you get a little bit of background on almost every other character in it. But Peacemaker, you don't hear much. He's like kind of just a mirror of Bloodsport, you know, so it, it kind of made James Gunn into wanting to write a backstory for him or wanting to give him more depth. And when you listen, to, there's a, a companion podcast that goes along with the Peacemaker series. I don't know if you've come across it, but it's called Podly, no. the podcast, which is a joke off of Eagly the Eagle, his sidekick. <laughs> and um, James Gunn says that when he was thinking about making it, he really wanted to make a series like the 1980s Captain America series, which yeah he's like but he wanted to make it good he's like so he basically said that he loved it a lot when he was a kid of course if you watch it now it's terrible it's Mm -hmm. low budget 
like bad gosh, it's true 1980s. But if you watched it as a kid in the 80s, you still would love it because, you know, that's what we had, the Hulk and that. (laughs) So that's that's what you get. And when you watch it, you kind of get that feeling where this is like Captain America gone wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is a great, great description. Yeah. And then that movie, I felt like they kind of, I if now you're, what you're saying makes me think they didn't have the idea of the show, the Peacemaker show at, in their mind as they were making the movie. I think as he was making the movie, it started to develop in James Gunn's mind. Okay. Because and then like that. Yeah. teed up. The, the post credit was like, boom, yeah. teed it right up. Yeah, that post credit exactly. was definitely there. But even mm-hmm. during the movie, the way they kind of left a lot of the shades of his character vague almost felt like they were planning on filling that in yeah. elsewhere. Or it may have been that they planned on killing him off there. Right. And then, and could then be. He that went, could well, be. you know, this, this guy needs to put... And John Cena, like... Why on earth wouldn't we want more John Cena? He's delightful. He's a national treasure. He's just so fantastic. And he just, my one of my favorite parts in Suicide Squad is that little where they're going into the village and they're killing all these people, the wrong people. And it's Idris Elba and his exchange when they're like competing for kills, for kill shots. And he's like, what did he say? He's like, yeah, it is when it's fucking dope as hell. Something like <laughs> yeah, or nobody likes a braggart yeah. or something. He just says, and, and yeah, John Cena says <laughs> when it's it dope as fuck. So yeah, so quick. It's my favorite. My favorite parts, really and truly, of any the James Gunn stuff, the Marvel stuff, or the DC stuff, is the the banter. The banter is just just Chef's kiss, so good and so funny. It reminds me kind of of Kevin Smith's banter, but yeah. It's excellent. The timing and everything. I think a lot of it has to do with the actors he chooses and his own writing. But he also is like the director that allows his actors to keep going. And then he'll just, you know, cut the best versions of it and stick it in there. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. Russ, were you saying something? Because I couldn't quite hear you. (laughs) Oh, this this era kind of has that um, anti-hero kind of theme that's thriving right now with Deadpool and uh even these other characters complicated they're complicated and they're like shades of gray right right. nobody's really bad and nobody's really good anymore we're all redemption stories kind of shades of gray which is real life really yeah and i think that's one of james gunn's favorite things to play with is the whole shades of gray thing i don't think he really likes the whole this is the good person this is the bad person thing Um, because it's not a thing and it's boring (laughs) it is boring we've seen it a bunch and if you've ever played like in any kind of like Dungeons and Dragons campaign, the worst thing in the world is get stuck with like a paladin type character that it has to just like it ruins your whole fucking game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I won't no, say it ruins your whole movie, that. but it, <laughs> it's harder to watch, you know, and, and it's harder to build empathy and it's harder to understand other perspectives when you just have this view. So movies that expand your view, even when they may be seemingly silly, I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially when I show growth, which I would say that like Peacemaker, especially, well, almost any of his movies will do this, but Peacemaker really just shows a progression of characters growth. Like every one of the main characters in it, and even like the, you just see them grow. And oh, it's yeah. just amazing. Um, but, and a lot of fun. <laughs> and it makes you question a lot of things. And I'm a huge fan of all of that. The other thing that James Gunn says that almost all his movies and shows basically feature is childhood trauma. Which, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, maybe just because he's a Gen Xer and that's how we all <laughs> hoped. That's the how man we is relate to each head. other. 
<laughs> the man is fucked in the head and he has always been fucked in the head. It, it's just, I don't know. Uh, like I said, just through watching pretty much everything he's done to this point, I'm just, I'm just amazed with his progression. I'm amazed how he could just do, like I said, just kind of every kind of genre and every kind of thing and just make it entertaining. And I think a lot of it has to do with something that, I mean, I know I've played around in my head, like the soundtrack of life. He, in my opinion, knows how to pick music in everything he does. He just captures mood with music and it just fits. And it's just incredible. I mean, and he totally knocked it out of the park in this show with that opening. I mean, oh, yeah, we did a deep dive on it. <laughs> on I this mean, song. <laughs> that opening song is so incredible. Like, you know, like like most streaming services, you want to skip the intro? No, I do not. Nope. I want to hear it again. <laughs> and see that choreography. That choreography was so fun. And there's being stiff and being people who don't know how to dance on purpose. You can tell because oh, a couple yeah. of them, you can see them wanting to let loose and no, no. Be, be so, robotic. It's really the choreographer fun. for this was Carissa Barton. And uh, it? ends up being that Carissa Barton, just as a side note, is Alan Tudyk's wife. And which is makes this even funnier is James Gunn is friends with Alan Tudyk. But when he hired Carissa Barton, he had no idea she was Alan Tudyk's wife. So it's like this whole funny, like six degrees of separation thing. And she listened to the song. She said just over and over again, like 50 plus times to do the choreography, which I'm sure, as you know, Pixie, anytime you do a choreography, huh? you that song is your life now. And, so you uh-huh. and she had designed it with a couple thoughts in mind. One with being that most of the cast is non-dancers. Some of them yeah. had dance experience and physical, you know, obviously physical experience, but she knew that they were not dancers. So she was not making a choreograph- choreography for dancers. She was making it for this cast. And the idea was to get some of the, like the stop motion of the comic book, you know. Oh, yeah. Dreams itself, you know, the pal, the punch. And then the weird like kind of puppetry stuff was supposed to represent the butterflies taking your brain over. And then she wanted to put like a little bit of Charlie Chaplin in there when you see in the mop scene and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And each one of the actors did their they did dance. Now there was a couple places where they had like a stand-in like for the old neighbor guy. <laughs> if you pay attention to like the credit scenes, you'll see that he's sitting. So the person that's doing the standing dance for him is not him. but he's in there doing the motions where he's sitting down and they just spliced that in. I think they did an excellent job, but yeah, Yeah. that's fun. I didn't know. We did a deep dive on the song. It was the wigwams and it was released in like 2010. Right. Cause it was just such weird lyrics. I was like, what is throw your dog, the invisible bone. And then I thought about it. I'm like, Oh, that's a dick move. People who are dicks throw invisible things for their pets. I mean, again, it it just fits. Yeah. I've been going around the house singing, throw your cats the invisible ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so a little. It was kind of a metaphor, I guess, for the (laughs) whole Waller setting him up from the get go, you know, in a a sense, that same kind of dick move is (laughs) throwing your dog an invisible ball. Go get it. Diaries over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So when they start out, basically Peacemaker has had this miraculous recovery recovery and you know, from having been shot apparently in the clavicle. Not in the back like, of the neck. It yeah. looked like With the, the clavicle. Right, right. But um, and having a building dropped on him. And um, I, I love the interaction between him and Jamal, the the, the janitor. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. thing is like i've had conversations with people like this <laughs> so unimpressed he was there was no wow in him at all for peacemaker it's like uh, well even the whole thing oh you're that racist you're right <laughs> yeah when he finally he's does like, remember him he's like i'm not racist he's like all i'm saying is that you should watch white people as well and it's like it's so funny. I love how James Gunn will put in these really relevant points, oh, yeah. you know, in such a light manner that you know, like I, I think it's like tricking people into opening their minds. <laughs> right. It's it's aha moments that, yeah. that that I would call them. I mean, he's really good at that. And, and like I said, if if you go back and start watching a lot of the stuff that he does, you start going aha. And, and and especially this, the very first episode of this show, how much is actually thrown at you and you're laughing. But then when you rewatch it a couple of times, then you realize, OK, now I understand that. I mean, it's he's his setups are so great huh? and every and yeah, it's very clever. He's it's just a smart way of, of doing it without being preachy, mm-hmm. without, you know hitting somebody in the head with a frying pan no. you know yeah. and that's i don't know it's it's but it's great. what i love about it is what it does yeah i mean especially so, i mean it's that scene was like the perfect example because you have your normal kind of typical conservative argument where well, it's not that we're really picking on black people and minorities they just commit more crime and then you have the counter argument which is the truth is they're not you we're not monitoring white people in the same way we're watching right you know, making sure that these people do nothing wrong and we're letting this whole group just go do whatever they want oh, yeah. and saying that these people are, are more responsible as opposed to actually just letting go of our bias, you know, mm-hmm. and paying yeah. attention is really happening. And it's just such a cleverly well-done, simplified, quick argument where, you know, and then you have Peacemaker who's just going, you know what? All right, that's valid. I will do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as there's another and, point in there that where they're sitting at the diner and he, he calls the waitress sweet cheeks. And I don't know if he's playing dumb on that when they like call out his misogyny or if he genuinely does not know what he just said and like the connection there. I don't know. It's hard to tell with Peacemaker because is he that dumb? And like, I think he's that dumb. Or- uh, I, I definitely think he's that dumb. I think that that was the whole point of the the, the the character that he does have growth, like we've talked about, that that in the beginning, he just is like, it's going to go over my head. And, you know, just he's just kind of set in these ways. Yeah. He's not privy to. Nobody told him. He never had friends to tell him, dude, that you can't say things like that to people. No. Yeah. He had a shitty racist dad. Yeah. <laughs> for james gunn he's got this character that's like morally questionable and you're trying to lift him up into this anti-hero status and then you you have his like overtly racist dad that's just completely kind of gives him a pass you're like oh okay that's why and he forced him yeah. to kill his brother so right. like yeah 
Well, and, and that's that's the thing. Uh, it goes back, like I said, to his characters. I mean, his, his dad in this show. I mean, played by one of the best Robert character Robert. actors. What a get, right? I, get. I, I, I mean, you know, he is the T two thousand. You know, that's where most people kind of know him. But yep. he's done so much stuff. Like, I mean, a random trivia. Most people don't realize that he was one of the henchmen in Die Hard Two. Yeah, I, exactly. I I rewatched it like while I was watching Peacemaker, and I just was like, <gasps> and it was like, whoa! Why didn't I ever know this? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And he he, I mean, he's been in so much. Him and Jeff Fahey, I feel like, just show up in so many things that you never realize and, that you never realize because when they're the lead, they're great, but then they they don't mind doing. Yeah, they'll fade everything into the background else. and just do their, yeah. which is funny. Yeah, they can blend still. It doesn't, yeah. have that, uh, it doesn't have that Matt Damon as um, uh, Loki feel to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean. This I, is I, actually I, the third pair up with um, Robert Patrick and, and John Cena. They were um, in the Marine, oh. which I think might have been John Cena's first feature film. And I, I think you might be right. And Robert yeah. Patrick played the bad guy in that, one of the bad guys. And then they were in an episode of Psych together, which was a favorite TV oh. series of mine. And you don't what? know this? An episode of Psych? Right. I've, I've watched that whole show. Like, I think oh. it was the one called You Can't Handle This. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, John Cena Very kept cool. playing, um, oh, what was, I can't remember people's names now because it just blanked. And it's been such a long time since I've watched the series. Uh, the main John. character's girlfriend, Jules. Oh, Jules. Johnson yeah. played Jules' brother, older brother. <laughs> oh, right. Holy crap. Yeah, I forgot all about that. <laughs> so, yeah. Which I, like, again, didn't realize until I was reading through it. I'm like, oh, yeah, they were all. <laughs> yeah. I expected to see that guy more. Um, the guy who played Sean. I can't remember his name. Rodriguez. Oh, um, yeah. I expected to see him more. I thought he was just so comfortable in front of the camera. I was like, hey, he'll probably be in more stuff after this show. Didn't see yeah, again. Not, but I think he went on to writing and directing a lot. Uh, oh, okay. That makes sense. I thought I saw him. There, here's my James Gunn uh, tie back in here. I thought I saw <laughs> him in the second Guardians movie as the one of the, um, oh, that planet where they're all gold. I can't remember. That was John Crichton. It was John Crichton, though. But oh, yeah. That was Ben Browder. Like, he pointed that out to me, and I was like, what? <laughs> I had to look it up because I thought that was James Roday from uh, from Psych. It's like that's, Ben Browder. They have that face. They have the same face and the snarkiness old, yeah. and yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I oh, like the so fact that um, uh, this series a lot of the a lot of the directors of the episodes were ladies or female presenting people. Um, so I think that kind of gave he does that a lot too. I think he brings in a lot of. He tries to bring in women and diversity as much as he can, I think. Yeah, get perspective from cool. all angles. Uh, yeah. And I also thought it was really cool that Harcourt is like his fiance. Well, she became his, I, yeah. I assume she they were seeing each other beforehand, but after the yeah. premiere, that's when they got she, engaged. So it was just she was year. in, uh, yeah, she was in Brightburn, not Bright, is it Brightburn? The oh, um, Dark Justice. Brightburn yeah, wasn't her, I don't yeah. think. Elizabeth Banks. No, no she wasn't the that. lead. Oh. No, no, she was. She was the teacher in *Brightburn*. Oh, really? I gotta rewatch that. That was a really that was cool. So yeah. good. I hope they go. Which again? Like that. It's Steven is another James that Gunn. Too. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's another James Gunn produced uh, project. Of course, and and, okay. and and James Gunn uh, <laughs> did, has has said recently that that the new Guardians Volume Three will have several people from this show in it. Nice. Yeah. In and he and apparently after he filmed it, then then he told Marvel. By the way, they're also in a DC property. Oops. <laughs> Which I believe James Gunn might be the only writer director to do both uh, Marvel and DC. They probably allow a, him to do. Everybody just allows him to do it because yeah. he's awesome. Yeah, and he brings his brother Sean along with him wherever he goes. So weasel. I mean, I, I so love his weasel. brother. Yeah, I, I I absolutely love his brother because. I, I met him at, at a convention, like I want to say early two thousand. He plays a really ridiculous character in Romeo and Juliet, and that's what I first as like, opposed to the non ridiculous characters he plays. The well, once you see that movie, you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but he is so like. You see the energy he puts out and everything that he does, but he's just a goofball. Was he? A, is he as nice in person as and, he seems like? Oh he yeah. Would be? Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. So I mean, he he gets the crowds. Like if if people are like in line stuff, he'll just jump out of his table and start talking to people, and it's like, hey, what's up? Hey, what? you know, yeah. just you know. Uh, I, I remember like there was like three people ahead of me in the line, and um, he just got out. And said, okay, well, you three come over here. And they're like, what? <laughs> and he just like just started autographing things like crazy. And he goes, these are yours, these are yours, these are and and like the, the cash lady's like, uh, and she's like, she's like, well, they, they want free autographs. I'm gonna give them free autographs. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I you know, I understand that's the livelihood of of, uh, of these actors yeah. when they go to conventions. So, it, for somebody just kind of like, okay, here you go. Here, he just started handing him out to people. Yeah. It was just like cool. he may not do that now. <laughs> Might not do it now, but still, his autographs probably like forty bucks now. Yeah, maybe. I know at Horror Hound, a lot of those were like forty and up. Yeah. Well, so yeah, the bigger names you're looking at seventy five, eighty, hundred dollars. Yeah. So yeah, but. People got to get paid. I I don't know. I just, I'm just, like I said, this show was so, like, I don't know. I I, I was, I was excited and nervous when I saw this, when, uh, when they said James Gunn was directing the the Suicide Squad, but because I was not a fan of that original Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. But I love uh, Harley Quinn's Birds of Prey. Yeah. Yep. I was, I thought that was just great. So I'm like, I was I was thinking, well, what's going to happen now? Okay, you said that Harley Quinn's going to be in it, but then this person's not going to be in it. I'm like, how are they going to actually do this? And then when they said, we're going hard R on this, it made me feel a lot better. Because yeah. <laughs> I knew James Gunn was like, okay, I got the candy store. I can do whatever I want. I was a little mad at like him over show. Nathan Fillion, though. I mean... <laughs> it was funny. Oh, Spoiler really alert. He's not really dead. <laughs> TDK. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. He's he may or may not show up in season two, as rumored right now. Nice. Oh my god. I don't even know what I would do. That was such a great yeah. character. <laughs> yeah. Arms. 
But but again, that's 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 how Gunn is, and and Gunn loves like Nathan Fillion. I think he's one of his friends because he's showed up in so many of his different projects. He's friends with Alan Tudyk, he's got to be friends with Nathan Fillion. That's just yeah. like law. That, that's true. Um, I love the fact that we brought Danielle Brooks, who's was tasty on Orange Is the New Black, and now she's I can never remember her name. At uh, Bio, Leo which, fun well, fact, Leota is actually James Gunn's mother's name. <laughs> really? Oh, cool. That's awesome. But I'm sorry, Pixie, but go ahead. I love her. I think she's fantastic. I loved her in Orange is the New Black. And I love the fact that she was married to a woman and they kind of didn't, they kind of normalized it, kind of. There were parts where it was a little pointed out, but like, it was pretty normalized for the most part, which was cool. Of course, Peacemaker totally has something to say because he's a little misogynistic. But. but yeah, he's kind of perpetually stuck in the 80s, too, which right. is a vibe of, you know, yeah. very uh, hyper machoism and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. T-tops and Camaros. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. But interestingly, though, though um, John Cena made him omnisexual. Like, that was... I know! Always, like, he... What? You well, know, I mean... You know, you'd expect somebody, I don't know. Yeah, you wouldn't expect them to have gone that route. Like, because James Gunn didn't write it in that way. But I think when John Cena was ad-libbing that scene with Harcourt in the bar where he's like, where he corrects himself and said, okay, well, I haven't had sex with a woman in four years. Yeah. You know, and you could have just let that be like, while well, he was in prison. So, you know, uh-huh. prison's prison. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but they went and ran with it to make him be you know, and then they put him in the bed with uh, with Vigilante uh, and Amber. Vigilante and Amber. Right. Amber was that her name? Mm-hmm. Which is that funny. So- I remember the character's names Amber because I was impressed as a sexual interest. They put a woman that was not a traditional skinny babe. You know, I mean, yeah, she's beautiful, yeah, me too. But she wasn't the traditional look that you normally see them go for. You know, what I mean? right? That made me pretty happy too. I was like, this girl's a little thick, and yeah. she's like, and Adrian not breaking character. Like, if this was three years ago, I would have shot you both for that. Face. <laughs> for smoking that mask on, too. <laughs> my, favorite, uh, my favorite interaction, like, a sort of little thing in the whole show was uh, Vigilant Adrian and, oh, what's her tasty? Because <laughs> I can never think of her name in the show. Their interaction when the, he's out there outside the jail and she they're talking, you know, she's like he's trying to convince her that he's not vigilante after he had his toe cut off and he's like limping and she just goes you're not killing it right now man <laughs> he's my like favorite. A... that's my favorite one of my favorite interactions in the entire show it's so hilarious yeah she's just he keeps trying she's like uh-huh and no and you're you're not he's like i'm not i'm not killing you <laughs> i'm not pulling holes in his shoddy rice paper reasoning. you're not killing it right now <laughs> You're not killing it right now. Which she's so the I guess lines that gave her is gr- were great. Yes. And it, like I said, a lot of the cast ad libs. So a lot of the greatness you're seeing is, is them taking what they were given and just going yeah. balls out on it. It's amazing. But uh, just a little point. So Freddie Stroma is who played um, Vigilante in, in the series, but he came late to the game. So they had filmed like five and a half of the eight episodes with uh, another actor named Chris yeah. Conrad. And I guess it was just. Horrific creative differences is all you hear. It's like, it was like classic creative differences. And so they replaced him and they replaced him with Freddie Stroma. And then James Gunn went back and he refilmed every scene from those five and a half that had already been filmed with Freddie Stroma. So you don't see Chris Conrad in it in the series. 
Though huh. I don't know, John Paul, you the said opening. that he's in the intro, but I don't know. Like I tried to find I, out. I I believe from what I what I heard that he is technically still in the intro only because they wouldn't pay to re-record the intro. Mm. There was a lot of camera movement going on in that yeah. intro. Yeah. So that's the uh, and 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 I think he still might even be credited. Yeah. Yeah, I think I did see that so, name. So I think he still might be credited, which means then you know he's still for the line something dance. for yeah. So but, but let's 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 talk a little about it. What what was everybody's favorite mo- moment about the show? I know normally we give a summary, but I, I, I feel like we're doing good flow here. Let's talk about everybody's favorite moment of this show. Pixie, you kind of touched up on what you like, but what was your kind of oh Boy, howdy. Hang on, I'm going to have to go through the Rolodex here. <laughs> if you want to go first. I, uh, All right, I'll go first. Okay. My my favorite, absolutely favorite moment of this show, when they do that whole John Cena, you could have picked anybody else yeah. but yeah. my dad. That was you a good could one. have picked Papa Smurf, G.I. Joe, Shipwreck. And okay, I'm an 80s kid. Uh, I'll, I'll freely admit it. That scene just had me rolling and then they released the outtake of that scene so much so that my younger brothers never watched this show he doesn't have hbo max i sent him that scene and that clip and he was just like okay i signed up for hbo max i watched this show you're right it's hilarious it's probably one of the best shows i've seen in a long time just because that scene he's just like me he was like just the way he just was like just so quick about it i mean i i'm laughing now i'm just it it just made me laugh so hard i was like oh gosh so good and and again i i'm not i never i mean maybe in the 80s i was kind of a pro wrestler fan but not really and john cena i knew of him i mean when when i first john cena i said did matt damon and a wrestler have a child (laughs) and this is it because that's what it reminds me of. But I mean, lately he's just been killing it. Like I watch Wipeout with him hosting, and it's and Nicole Byers. It's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so I, I mean, I kind of fall in love with him. I kind of accidentally this week got the John Cena haircut for the show <laughs> because the lady went too short. <laughs> but that scene is phenomenal. So who wants to go next? I, yeah, still have trouble narrowing it down to one, but I would say it would be something regarding Eagly. I'm pretty sure there was just like some moments that kind of got me unexpectedly, uh, you know, from an, an interaction with CG. You don't, you don't like, but that it, it often is with me now. That I think about it because you can do so much with CG. You can build in the moment. You can make the moment perfect digitally. You know, but um, uh, very few people get it right though. Uh, and there was so many cases where that was where he comes back with the squirrel and John Cena's like rationalizing it with him. You know, he's like, that's, I'm not going to eat it. The, no, it's very nice though. It means, very, it means a lot you, to though. me. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> you, can, you can have it. And, uh, and, and the other interactions involve eagerly, like where they're trying to get him back into the car and he's like, crinkle a bag. He'll think you have chips. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's his, Sirens call. A raptor. Like it's a legit (laughs) raptor. When you really put it into perspective, a pet eagle is just ridiculous. Yeah. But amazing. 
Yeah, that's good. It was- oh, I, I like that eagerly at the beginning, you know, in the intro when he just yeah. does a little hop. And then he nudges. I mean, every, every time. Like, like, it's, yeah, yeah, like that just makes me laugh. I don't know why, because it's just like, hop. <laughs> so cute. And the hug. The uh, hug. That's right. Dad, yeah. get him. Get a picture. Dad, quick, get a picture. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. So Jenny, what's what's uh what's your favorite moment? So it's kind of split between two, one with dialogue and one without. And the dialogue one I paraphrasing and not getting it exactly. No, no, go but ahead. But it's when Leota basically it's the whole scene where um they're talking about Goff having gotten into the cop's head after the jar broke. And um, Vigilante refers to her as Oriental and um, Peacemaker corrects it to Asian. And he says he doesn't know why. And then they, you know, Hardcore explains why. And then he's like, all right, fine, fuck. It seems like, a, you know, Snowflake bingo card. And like Adebayo comes up and says, basically my favorite little paraphrase there. Oh, the horror of being like a white heterosexual man <laughs> in in the United States who occasionally, who suffers the unspeakable horror of occasionally uh-huh. having to substitute one word for another. <laughs> I love love how it just calls that shit out. Like it's such a trauma the way people act like it's so hard to do that. He's like, just right there, just jokingly putting it into perspective. I just love it. So like that, that line is so perfect in my opinion, that whole scene. I love it a lot. And my other one with no dialogue is just after the butterflies take over the police station and they have the scene where they're all trying to smile. <laughs> all the different fucked up smiles and i could yeah. just see the actors going to a mirror going okay like what's the most fucked up smile i could do and you know just the different like there was the tall cop the tall the guy who was the acting Lock. chief at the moment oh god his his face in that scene is horrible. i had to rewind it a couple times it was classic <laughs> Tell me, when you saw him smiling, did you not think that, like, they lost a terrible opportunity by not casting this man to play the Joker at some point? Uh-huh. This is fucking perfect. Yeah. And the way he played the character actually was very fucking perfect for a Joker character, in my opinion, as well. Uh-huh. They should go back and do a biography about the making of the Adam West one. Oh, Batman yeah. and cast him as the guy who played. I can't remember his name right now. Right. Uh, oh, was it Caesar Romero that played the Joker? Yeah. Caesar Romero. They should cast yeah. him as Caesar Romero. Perhaps. Oh, that would be good. He had a great post-credit scene in this uh, Peacemaker show. Where oh my God, he had two to, great post-credit uh, scenes. But yeah, <laughs> much like um, Vigilante with his, uh, you know, sociopathic kind of lot, lack of any type of emotional response. He was like. Trying to dial in being a, a human person that had empathy. It was it was really yeah, well done. Bad. And it was the perfect like kind of exclamation point for the episode too, because it wasn't too, you know, I can post credit scenes, I think they're just such a a little niche thing that when they're done right, they're just perfect. Uh but but it has to be that kind of irrelevant, but still very like entertaining, like, oh my, yeah, that's what happened when the camera panned away from that. That's great. I think a lot of the post-credit scenes that James Gunn does is snippets of the personality of the character, like like Adrian, that we just kind of want to see more of. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want more Adrian for just a second. And he's just so, like, hilarious, just his thought process. So I think they're so good for that. So um, I was I reading totally that James agree. Gunn had deliberately put, made sure to put post-credit scenes for every episode because he wanted to reward people that watch through it through all the credits so he was like wait if you're gonna do it i'm gonna give it to you and boy did he give us excellent those credits mm-hmm. um the one after lock is in, 
has the butterfly in his head and they're doing a press conference where he's talking about cleanliness being next to guys. And if you watch the background, there's one actor who's playing cop in the background who cannot keep his shit together. And I don't blame him. I don't think I'd have been able to, but he keeps doing this, like, like he's scratching his face and it's trying not to, but his face, his eyes are all like. <laughs> it's got to be so hard to be an extra on any of this yeah. because it's I just think- so funny. So funny. I totally agree. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd be like, no. You'd have to try to not pay attention, but you'd be you'd feel like you were just missing out on a, a golden opportunity. And to, you can't react if you're not paying attention. Right. You're supposed to react as an extra yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I have to say, like, I adore Vigilante, though. Like, Same. I didn't even think I would like a character like this, but he is so genuine, so fun, so just honest in what he is that it's fucking hilarious. Like, like even like the whole, and the way people interact with him, that's what I really love. I like how like James Gunn didn't make people pick on him. You know what I mean? Like nope. aside from Peacemaker no. picking on everybody, there's like even the scene where he's just the bus boy and he's doing his famous butt dance, after, yeah. which by the way, John Paul, for some reason made me think of you. Because <laughs> I do butt dances, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> Why are you happy? Because she's getting an abortion. <laughs> <laughs> and this the poor guy, the poor, his co-workers just straight face yeah. with him and just, okay. Just no, trying to get back into the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't. Do this shift, man. Just trying to get through this shift. Yeah. And the one, the, I like the one scene with Adrian where he was, uh, they were talking about um, the high school interaction with him where he was like, a, and, and how John Cena used to give everybody nicknames based on their dicks. <laughs> and, <laughs> And he says, he's, he's talking about the trauma that John Cena gave his brother, that Peacemaker gave his Adrian's brother. And then and they, go, and they move right into, oh, yeah, no, he had a nickname for me. But, you know, he was like, I didn't care because I don't have emotions like people do. <laughs> yeah, yep. Let's just hit the nail on the head and get that out of the way. And then yeah. now you know who Adrian is. Yeah, and I think my other favorite scene with him being, like, clearly, like, what he is, is, like, the whole scene at the vet's office where... <laughs> they're like okay so you'll have no problem with killing people but them being injured by duct tape is where you draw the line he's like thinks about it he goes yes like (laughs) yeah yes you've got it that's correct (laughs) i like the scene with him in the jail when he sits down and he like tries to ag them on to like fight (laughs) it's so good it's just so good and you can tell he genuinely feels that way about like racism and things like mm-hmm. that. He just like has this bring it look on his face and it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like he's so happy to be fighting them and beating the shit yeah. out of them. Right. Well, you know, I think well, the other funny thing is the contrast good. about how Adrian Chase looks versus the level of badassery he actually possesses. Yeah. Because yeah. when you see him walking through the prison cell, this person looks like fresh meat for the prison community. You know right. what I mean? Just looks like he's basically gonna be ass raped left and right. (laughs) But he's still walking tall with confidence despite this demeanor of, you know, I mean, like, so he has this demeanor of confidence, but his looks speak differently to it. But, and then as soon as he gets in a fight, he's like, boom, I got you. And he just decimates them. Yeah. To the point where I'd say that Peacemaker's dad was actually afraid of getting in a fight with them. Mm -hmm. Probably. Yeah, without a suit. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
he had, without all those pesky emotions, he knew how to really push their buttons. You know, he didn't, he wasn't afraid of anything. <laughs> it's like, what do I have to do? I have to piss these guys off to the point where they attack me. Okay, that's easy enough. And just, and just hit, hit home runs on every single person. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to admit, though, it was a hard, like, the scene where Peacemaker's dad goes in the prison and then, like, he harasses the one guy to move out of the bench. And then you have all the neo-Nazis, Aryan supremacists show up and do the whole hail white dragon thing. Mm-hmm. It was hard to watch. Like, yeah. it made me sick to my stomach. It was. And then, actually, all the elements they did it were a little too close to reality for me. Like, if you've ever. Oh, yeah. It was it was a lot like the 14 words license plate, um, the white trash trailer fight, you know, just the mm-hmm. look of the people that were being the white. Mm. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, like, like I said, that's that's the James Gunn. Like he can make you laugh and cringe all at once at times. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's on par for him. So I, like I said, there were there were episodes that were a little tough. Like I, I totally agree with you in this show that it. I was just like, yeah, it's a good show, but ooh, ah, <laughs> what? I don't think he. I mean, I think the fact that, that he, kind of feel. Yeah, yeah, I like, think that he had that realism made it good, but oh yeah, Russ, I keep yeah, interrupting. Definitely. You. <laughs> oh no, you're fine. Yeah, South Park has that kind of feel where you know they're always looking for that edge. They're always pushing the envelope past its point, and it's gonna be funny, but you're not gonna. You won't really want to laugh at it. Like if you right. if, if you dissect it too much, you're like, oh yeah, no, this isn't. That's not really. Fun. But when when it's presented in this kind of quick and uh, hapless, uh, was seemingly hapless and just kind of um, you know just joking, kind of uh, jabbing. It's it's hard not it's hard not to get like a little bit of a laugh out of it, but. Not the not the racism stuff, obviously, in in Peacemaker, but in in general, that kind of envelope pushing kind of situation where you're you're testing the boundaries of how can I push the viewer to the edge, make them maybe want to turn away, but yeah, not want to miss the next second that comes after that or something like that. Yeah, I think a lot of that stuff too is like they're trying to push the like learning on you. Yeah, too. You're yeah. laughing at this, yeah. but you're uncomfortable. Think about why you're uncomfortable about mm-hmm. this for a second. That yeah. kind of thing. No, I, I agree. That that and and again, that's that's what Peacemaker's character, like you mm-hmm. said before, his development of being like a piece of shit, basically. Yeah at the beginning and then you kind of like rooting for him at the end mm-hmm. i mean it shows that there was growth it shows that you kind of care for him finally at the end when everything goes down so uh, like i said that's really why i i overall really enjoyed this show the way just the progression of all the characters and growth and everything you know even even the the nerdy guy you know uh behind the scenes that we haven't really t- talked about much, which is, Economy. you know, it's just. Oh, cons- you mean Dyer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I so, that was I, so sweet <laughs> when he talked, when he finally admitted through the, the uh, earpiece that, that he does dye his beard and like why. Exactly. It well, was the, like, oh. On. Yeah. yeah. And then even Peacemaker's face where you can see him kind of like, oh. Oh, oh I, yeah. Another learning moment. He was starting to understand the impact of him haranguing this guy with the name Diebeard really had. 
Um, yeah. And you know, the funny thing too, is economist ends up being kind of like the, the unsung hero of the whole yeah. thing, true you know, true. time and again. Yeah. Taking yeah, out the he, judo master. He killed a gorilla with a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. That's right. A butterfly gorilla. Yeah. With a chainsaw. Yeah. And a then chainsaw. Adrian was jealous. Well, and then he takes out the uh, majority of the white supremacists with a machine gun. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he also, you know, he is despite the fact that he's absolutely terrified, does get that helmet to the, you know, the location and also has to have this additional emotional trauma on top of it. And, you know, the only reason he doesn't quite pull it off is because he was sort of caught in the middle of the act, but he almost did. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, I mean, in a lot of, and even like towards the end where he crawls to Adebayo and gives her the helmet to help out, you know, Chris. So like in the end, like if you really think about it, the, the true person who made the end happen, who saved the day in a lot of ways was Economist. And I think the saddest part of the whole series is what happens to him at the end. You know, like everybody else sort of has this thing going on, you know, you have peacemakers running around with vigilante happily blowing up shit. I mean, it's not happy, but Harcourt's recovering and you know that her and Chris are developing a little more of a friendship there. And, you know, Adebayo is happily reunited with her wife. And the implication is that you know, she's probably going to get some serious shit from her mom. <laughs> but, you know, they're reunited. They're going to build their life again together. And then there's poor Economist who's going back to his job in this dark yeah. room in the prison. And, you know, just being happy that he has this little picture of this moment where he had camaraderie and friendship, and I just want to cry. <laughs> yeah. Can like, you imagine how much it. dirt he got in that broken leg when he was dragging? Right? Oh, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that yet. That's cringy. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure good. to circle back a little bit, like, you know, the fact that he had the white supremacist being so realistic and very. But he also made it very clear that they were really the bad guys and fucking evil as hell. There was no question right. of that in the story, which is why I liked it a lot. And it made it that much more edifying when they were decimated. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was it like, did. the only thing that I kind of had a moment where it'd been great if if um, Detective Song had been able to kill him or beat him up first. Because, oh, yeah. Know. But I love how she gave as good as she got or even better when he would start insulting her. Uh, I, I love I'm running out of white dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Calls him a fork, you know. <laughs> that translates to my haircut looks like donkey took a shit on my head, you know. It was so good. I like the best no, that final she had with uh, her partner too, Detective Song and uh, and her partner. Yeah, that dude's been in stuff, and we yeah. couldn't figure out what else we'd seen him. Uh, he's in a lot. Of, yeah, he's been. This a is lot. probably going to out me a little bit, but I am a sucker for cozy murder mysteries. And he's actually been in several of those. Uh, but I also found out that um, he had actually auditioned for the part of Shaggy and was in the running. And then when he auditioned oh. for the part of Fitzgibbons, James Gunn remembered him and was like, yeah, that's him. We're doing him for Fitzgibbons. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. But okay, so let's wrap this up. So final thoughts on, on Peacemaker. Where, the where, where do we think? Suicide Squad first. Because you go yeah. back, you watch Suicide Squad again, yeah. and then you jump right into Peacemaker. It's seamless. And any predictions on what you want to see for next season? I want to see Batmite yeah. <laughs> and some of these other like ridiculous, obscure characters, you know, that he talks about. I mean, I want to see Kite Man and Condiment Man. And I want to see know? Jason Momoa have relations with the dolphin, even even pretend, you know. Yeah. This. I mean, he he is kind of single now, so maybe. 
it might happen. They got back together. Supposedly that was a oh, did scene, they? right? I don't know. I'm not With sure. With Aquaman F and a fish? Oh, from, from this series? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Wow. They made a pretty strong uh, remark about it at the end of The Flash. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not a rumor. <laughs> so, Jenna, what's your final thoughts on everything? I completely agree. Watch Suicide Squad, then watch this. And um, it's phenomenal. It's just really well-written, excellent dialogue. The fact that James Gunn had enough sense to let his actors do what they could. The fact that just the amazing interplay where you have this comedic staff happening and this weird, like, interplay where, like, you know, the weirdest shit will be said and, like, the actors will still be able to maintain composure and be like, Okay, and then move on to the next thing. But it's actually the nice treatment of how you're handling different personality types and understanding that like things there's things you call out and things you just move past. You know, like you call out anything that's hate speech, you walk past just weird ass fucking opinions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It just it's beautiful, really, in a lot of ways. It's just the growth of it and the fact um, James Gunn had said that really what Peacemaker is, is a person, it's a man being crushed by his own ideals. And you see that at the beginning and you see the weight beginning to be lifted from it. And it's a very, I mean, it sounds stupid to say, but it really is a very beautiful story when you follow it, despite the fact that James Gunn likes to have things take over people's brains and bodies in, in a lot of his movies, which is at least this is, was not gross. Like the slugs from Slither, <laughs> the butterflies were pretty. <laughs> That is true, but it's very fitting in our wonderful show of what the fuck did I just watch? The butterflies were beautiful. The, I will say that when I laid eyes yeah. on one, I was like, they're so pretty. <laughs> but I want to thank you, Russ and Pixie, for joining us. You know, it's always fun to have guests. Uh, so anybody interested, you know, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Twitter. Reach out to us and uh, join us. It's a lot of fun. We do a lot of silly stuff, and you know we got the kitty cat right behind you joining us That's too. Thing. Yeah, he was waiting. <laughs> waiting for his so, moment. All right, Jenny, let's give this final outro. I'm Jenny. Um, this is John Paul. We were joined by Pixie and Russ, and this has been what the fuck have I just watched? <laughs> have a good night, everyone. You have been listening to What the Fuck Did I Just Watch? You can find us on Facebook and on YouTube at WTF Did I Just Watch? Thanks for listening and we hope you'll join us again soon.